We're going to be in 1st John chapter 1 verse 5 through chapter 2 verse 6. And as you're turning there, just a little background on on 1st John. 1st John was written by John. I know it's hard to believe, but uh, he was a disciple of Jesus in his earthly ministry here. Uh, he wrote this to several churches, uh, most likely at least the seven churches that we see in Revelations. Uh, John is near the end of his life here. He's he's uh, writing this, this letter. Uh, as he writes this letter, he is the last apostle and eyewitness to Jesus' earthly ministry. This made John's insight very uh, powerful and highly sought after. Um, the main reason why John wrote this letter here was because of some bad teaching or bad theology that was rising in the church. Um, this, this bad teaching throughout church usually become known as Gnosticism, which is the idea that the physical and the spiritual are two separate things. And, um, and this led people to live their life in two very different ways, but out of the same idea. The first being um, that people needed to beat their bodies in order to make themselves right with God. This included refraining from things uh, like certain foods or, or certain drinks, even marital intimacy. Um, they would oftentimes beat themselves in order to make a payment to God for their sin. The other is uh, people would have, be in the mindset that since these two things are separate, um, one does not affect the other. And so I can do whatever I want in my body and my spiritual life won't be affected at all. My standing before God is un, you know, untouched. Um, I find it interesting that it's still active in, in our churches today. Even in this church and other gatherings around the city and the world, we, we all, even within ourselves, have this battle within us. Uh, the idea that grace covers this and so I can live however I want or I need to earn the grace of God. Um, which this just this isn't true. Um, we can find ourselves leaning one way or the other, beating ourselves over over sin that we've committed both outwardly and inwardly because we've sinned against God or chosen to disregard His law. Um, both of these outworkings of this bad theology is all at the same root, which is pride. And John here is getting at the root of that problem. Uh, again, the text is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 6. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus... His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Christ or Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commands, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is made is perfect, perfected. And by this, we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So the main thing I really want to look at tonight is perfection is a requirement to be right with God. But it's not what we think it is. As we look at this, uh, we, we need to, as Christians, welcome the washing because it is, it is the only way that we can be made right with God. Dear Christian, we are all dirty with sin. And sin is not just the outward workings that we do, you know, the lies that we tell or the, the things we look at or the things we say, um, but it's actually who we are. It's in our DNA, uh, this sin nature is. So one John says here that the blood of Jesus, his uh, the blood of Jesus, his son, that is God's son, cleanses us from all sin in uh, chapter one, verse seven. And then in verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, There's no other way to be cleansed from our sin than to come to Jesus for washing. You can't earn this washing or cleaning. It's not something that you can do good deeds and God will then wash you. And you can't ignore your need for it. You need to come acknowledging that this is the only way you can be right before the king. So just just know that once you are washed, you are clean forever. In John's gospel account in John chapter 13, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, we see this picture kind of laid out for us. Um, as Jesus stoops to wash P- Peter's feet, Peter gets upset with Jesus and says, you know, what are you doing? You know, this isn't your job. This is a servant's job. You know, Jesus says, I'm doing things you're, you're just not going to understand right now. And... And Peter kind of returns it and says, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says back to him, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And, his, and Peter's reaction is, well, then don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands and the rest of me as well, because just I, I need you to wash me. And Jesus' Jesus's reply here, I think, helps us understand this passage a little bit more. The one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet but is completely cleaned. And Peter, you're cleaned. You see, Peter was clean because of his faith that Jesus was the promised one of, Israel, uh, of the Old Testament. Although Peter didn't understand what this entailed, he most likely thought that Jesus was coming to bring the kingdom. Um, most, of, most of the Israelites thought that Israel was going to rise to power again like a great nation, take over Rome, or whatever you know, whoever was the country at that time. Um, instead, Jesus came to free the whole world, which included dying on the cross. And I don't think Peter had that in mind when he signed up for this. So he was clean. Peter was clean, that is, because of his faith, uh, because of his faith. But his feet still stink from walking around on the earth. 
Which brings me to my next point. Walk in the light because sin has lost, lost its shame. Confessing to God and even to each other here in the body is, is very important to the life of the Christian. I believe that this is what Jesus is trying to tell Peter here. That he needs to remove the stink of the world off of his feet. So we always need to remember that our God is a great God and we are terrible sinners. And that when we confess our sin and bring our sin before our eyes and remember that we need a Savior, it humbles us and brings us back to our need and reminds us that we need a Savior. And confession allows us to have our feet washed and we confess our sin to one another. We can each wash each other with, with the word. Reminding and exhorting each other with the gospel. And since we are in Christ, sin no longer has shame over our lives. And so we can all look at each other with the idea of like, I get it. You know, I messed up this week. You messed up this week. We need Jesus. And so there should be no shame over any sin in any of our life. Um, because we all have the same need. It's all on the same playing field. When we, when we come before Christ. And so since sin has lost its shame, we can now look at each other this way. And as we confess, it's, it's washing the stink of the world off our feet. And we can point each other to Christ. And so I'd, I'd like to submit this to you guys, that the many younger generations, younger than even my generation, are leaving the church and not just ours, but the church in general, because we've forgotten that our feet stink. We've forgotten that we still walk in this world and we still have sin in our life. When we come to church, a lot of times we put on our happy face, we act like nothing's going on. And when people come in, they see these people that, I can't live that way. And so when we forget who we are, which is in need of a Savior, just like everybody else, it's, it's almost off-putting in some ways. I'm not saying we should go out and sin and you know, be like everybody else, but we need to remember and be humbled by the fact that we also need a Savior every day. For the last 10 years, I've been working in the restaurant industry, uh, delivering linens, selling things, servicing equipment, and so forth. And in that, building relationships with a lot of these people. Um, and through that time, I've, you know, you build those relationships and you kind of get to know each other. And people are hurting. People are dying. And they're, they're trying to cover that hurt with, with alcohol, with drugs, with, um, multiple sexual encounters. They're trying to just deal with the pain that's inside. Um, and a lot of times people come to me and say, well, you know, not in this way, but, you know, why are you so clean? Why are you so squeaky clean? You know, you, you're a good Christian boy is kind of the, the way they like to put it. And it's, it's man, you don't know. <laughs> I may look like a certain way, but, you know, you don't know my heart. You don't know my thoughts and my intentions, what I do in my spare time. Um, I need Christ just as much as you do. Beloved, I know that we need Christ just as much as that person doing drugs. Just as much as our neighbor who's addicted to meth, we need Jesus. Or that man or woman who comes home from work and abuses their spouse 
or children. We need Jesus just as much as they do. We are all in need of Christ. And it doesn't matter how well your life is put together. Whether it looks put together or not. Um, we, we here are the gathered body of Christ's bride. Uh, and the reason why we gather is not to just put on a happy face and to, and to listen to someone talk at us for you know the next little while then go out to dinner or maybe hit Dairy Queen on the way home or whatever your routine kind of is but it's according to Hebrews it's it's we're here to to stir each other up in love and good works and my question is, is does that happen here and I'm not trying to be in any way downputting or I'm just asking the question even to myself does, does that happen here do we do we encourage each other in the preaching do we encourage each other just in our day-to-day lives that you know hey man we should, we need Jesus or, you know, I see you struggling with that, but like, this is the gospel. So are we interacting in that way with each other? I, I hope so. And I encourage us to do so. You know, I've heard it said a lot in the last few weeks since being here. You know, we, we need to get a lot of younger people here. And I'm telling you that younger people in our own community, they want a community of real people dealing with real life situations with a real-life solution, which is Jesus. Um, We don't need to cover up our stink. We need to have it washed. There's no reason to put another layer of socks on. You know, We need to get it clean. So when we come to remember that He alone has saved us, this should drive us to worship God alone because we have an advocate who stands between God and us. We see that in verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1. When we realize that we need Christ and cling to Him for our hope, what happens is we begin to desire to live in a way that honors Him. Now hear this, I'm not wanting to point you to hold on to anything rather than Christ, nor do I want you to think that you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and change. What I want for you and want for myself is just to bask in how good God is. To sit there and allow yourself to remember what He's done. For us, as a church and as individuals. So we don't have to be ashamed of what we were like because our identity is now in Christ and we're saints. We're not a part of the Catholic idea where you have to be dead a certain amount of time and do a certain amount of miracles and then you're a saint. No, Paul addresses the Ephesians that he addressed them. No, you saints. You're now a saint. You're seen in Christ. You know, Paul says in Colossians 3.3 3, that we are hidden in Christ, so walk in Him. So I want you to imagine a banana. This is, this is great. I want you to imagine a banana. Behind that peel is the fruit. But when you look at the banana, all you see is the peel. So if your life is hidden in Christ, your life is wrapped in the peel of Christ's life. And when God looks at you, He doesn't see... The banana, he sees Christ's life. And so when John says in chapter 2, verse 3, by this you know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commands, he wants us to know two things. First is that the commands are still valid. And second, that we, that you can't keep them without first being loved by God. And that love begins to grow in you. 
and you begin to love God. And out of that love comes the desire to change. And from that desire to change begins to change. But we have to remember that it's all rooted in the love of God. It's Like I said, it's not a pulling up of the bootstraps, but a falling on your knees in adoration and love to God. And this is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we, let's look at verse 5. It says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is made perfect. As I was studying this, this last week, it, I came back to this verse time and time again because I just, it wasn't clicking with me until I, I opened up a tool that Tony had and as a kind of a Greek dictionary or way of translating it because I don't, I don't know Greek, um, unfortunately, but and it kind of opened my eyes to what was going on here. And I think the, the New King James Version helps make it a little bit more clear. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God or the love for God is made perfect. And perfect here, it's, a, it's in the passive tense, which I'm not going to bore you too much with Greek. But when a word's in the passive t- tense, it means it's something that's happening to you. It's not something that you're, you know, actively, aggressively going after, but... Something that's, that's happening to you. So, so as the love of God is growing in you, it's not you doing it, but rather it's something else making our love for God grow within us. Like I said, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't white-knuckle our holiness. You know, we can't grit our teeth saying, God, I love you. Look at all the good works I'm doing. It just, it's, that's no fun. If I were to give, I've heard John Piper use this scenario. If I were to give my wife's my wife flowers and say, well, she said, thank you. I, I love these flowers. And I say, well, it was my duty. That's not going to land real well. But it's like, well, yes, it is. And that's but it's true. It's my it's my duty to give my wife good things. But, it, you know, my wife says, why did you give me these flowers? Because I love you. Which one do you think is more pleasing? So. That being said, we need to fall on our knees humbly every day saying, Lord, I love you and I need you. Please change me into your likeness. It's, it's from this posture and that posture alone that comes the holiness God desires. So in conclusion, God cleanses you and makes you holy before him. And out of that comes the good works that he has set before you. We must not get this backwards, thinking that I must do X, Y, Z before God will do work in me. I must give up certain sins. I must, you know, love my neighbor and mow his grass, you know, and then God will change my heart. But rather, it's, it's the love of God and the love for God that begins to change our heart. So as you go through this week, I'd like to encourage you to Try and start your day or end your day with with that posture of humility on your knees saying, Lord, I need you. Please change me. Please do work in me. Please cultivate that love for me within me.